Hello, it's it's January 2012, and this is the first Big Finish podcast of the year. There's no Paul Sprague, so there's no one to make a stupid noise there. There's no Paul Sprague, but there is a Nick Briggs. Hello, that's me. And sitting next to me is... David Richardson. Hello, that's me. Uh, John Dorney. That's me. Hello. And Johnny Morris. Over here. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) You look very pleased with that, Johnny. Johnny? Johnny. You're looking at me. I'm I'm doing a Basil Fawlty. I'm talking to him, but looking at you. I just felt like it was like um, a university challenge and going, Johnny Morris studying huology. And I'm reading (laughs) mainly on the toilet. So, (laughs) Well, as you may well know, uh, uh, John Dorney and Johnny Morris are two of our fantastic writers. And in this podcast, David, what are we talking about? We're going to be talking about the release, the debut of the fourth Doctor Adventures. And it's so exciting. I've heard them and I'm so excited. Saturday tea time, 1977, all over again. It's an exciting month for us. It is. It's quite a busy month, yeah. Yeah, well, actually, I'd say it's last month was the busy one because we had to get it all ready and signed off and everything. So this month, a fair fair point. Yes, kind of, I, yeah. I, this <laughs> month we take a breath and just enjoy it. It's going to come out on a big splurge mm-hmm. and then take the rest of the month off. But let's, let's cast yeah. our mind back to was it about a year ago. It was actually it was about ten months ago, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. When the deal was done. Yes. Do you remember that day, Nicholas? Well, when we went to see Tom Baker, you mean? Well, it was. It, did we see Tom before we'd actually got the red light? We did, didn't we? We met him first. Yes, we did. We did meet him first, yes. That's all I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> he did us lunch and everything, didn't he? And he did. It was, uh, you know, there'd been so many email conversations previous to that. Yeah. And and it was teetering on the edge of reality. Uh, certainly the content of some of the emails <laughs> from Tom. And, uh, <laughs> And then I think it was he who suggested, why, why don't we... Because we were talking about meeting up, he said, why don't you come and see me? So then it became real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was, it was lovely. Yeah, he made us lunch. He offered us wine. We didn't have... Oh, no, no, I, I think I, I forced you to. Yeah. You, yes, because I, I felt as though I should have a glass of wine, seeing as he'd, he'd offered it. And then suddenly I ended up with this whole bottle of wine in front of me and neither of you were drinking. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and no. I don't drink during the day. Come... Five past six. Oh, well, <laughs> clearly, yes. Mm-hmm. Need it. Well, I, I was driving, so I, otherwise I would have had some wine. But, mm. uh, yeah, I, you know, I thought it was because Tom was going to have some. But, mm. And then, this has become a podcast about drinking wine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then, it was, I don't know, it was going to be two or three weeks after that, we got a phone call from Jason saying, we've done the deal and we've got Tom. And then it was, I think we had ten months to get something like 18 scripts together, didn't we? Yes, I mean, uh, I suppose we didn't have to do them all so quickly, but with you producing, David, everything has to be done several months in advance. Mm. I'm a bit more last minute, but I think it was the wise thing to do. And we just sort of got on with it, which is where these two guys come in, really, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, John Dorney. Yes, hello. You, you ended up script editing half of them, didn't you? Yes, yeah. It's a kind of, it's a bit of a, of a hodgepodge across the across the whole of the two series the ra- random sort of episodes back and forth because of different stages of the production 
Uh, I think the first one I did was um, was Energy, actually. Yeah, I did, Energy uh, of the Daleks. Energy of the Daleks, which was the first one in studio. We are the Daleks, and you will answer our questions, and your mind will be destroyed. Yeah. Um, nice. And, um, yeah, it, it was... Um, it, I, I remember I, I was actually coming in to the studio to visit... Uh, a friend of mine was in the recording of a story that I can't actually name. Um, because it's one of the, the, the Colin Baker special releases in the year and I don't think they've been named yet oh no and a friend of mine was in it and I was coming up to available to, to download for a pound yes yeah and I was, I was coming, to, coming to meet them in the studio and I got a text from uh, David on the way in saying uh, do you want to script edit the, the, the Tom Baker adventures? I said, give me five minutes, because I knew I was five minutes away from the studio, and just walked through the door and just went, yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> it didn't take any thinking at all. Um, and Did you think he was playing hard to get then? No, I just thought it would be one of his gags. Yay! <laughs> Dawny being funny. Ooh, yeah, that it's doesn't so happen very funny. often. That doesn't happen very often, being funny. And you two ended up script editing each other, didn't mm-hmm. you? Yes, I, I script edited both from the future and the uh, bonus year one. And indeed Jalxar as well, so for the second And Jalxar and a bit of uh, the Aside Adventure, mm. yes. Yeah, so we, but we kind of swapped scripts essentially, kind of sending them back and forth and script editing each other's oh. uh, work, uh, which started with the Lost Stories, I, th- I think, because mm. um, uh, it's always really useful to have another eye on on your script and, and, a, and a practiced writer's eye as well. And, and yeah, Johnny had a look through Foe and gave loads and loads of really useful suggestions. I was going to ask how all that came about, but hold on. Maybe we should just talk about what it's what that feeling is when you finally sit down to write a script that features Tom Baker's Doctor. How does that feel, Johnny? I, it's kind of um, the, the most exciting bit is getting the email and going, "It's Tom Baker." I still can't quite believe it. I can't. Mm. I can't quite believe I've written stories for Tom Baker's Doctor Who. Why or, is that? Why can't you believe it? Because it, it just seems such a sort of dis- dissonance between your childhood of watching it on television and going, this is you know, my favourite TV show at the time, and then Tom Lees and Peter Davison th- and they get sacked and you go, this, this show's gone, that opportunity was never there. I was only like six, six years old. I mean, if I'd been six years old going, one day I'll be writing Doctor Who for Tom Baker. Okay, that's insanely ambitious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you think he's still going to be playing the Doctor 30 years later, do you? Okay. Yeah. So it, it's sort of unreal in that way. It's connected with your age then, really. Yeah. The, the age you were. It's when... a sort of um, a huge sort of in, intimidating honour. But then mm. actually writing it, it's more a case of you watch about five minutes of a Tom Baker story just to get his voice back inside your head. And then you just let yeah. the character talk yes. because he's such a. It's so distinct, isn't it? It is. He just every scene he goes hello there. He wanders in, and he's got the sort of attitude of sort of mooching through his adventures, um, and sort of a sort of like a student who's just walked into a business meeting. He's got yeah. that sort of attitude. It, of, it's, <laughs> it, 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 it's one of the things I've, I've said that I found quite interesting from the script editing perspective because I've read everybody's uh, different takes because everybody went with slightly different styles of Tom. Yes. And it's interesting you've got the kind of the student work because I kind of uh, described him, which, which actually Louise um, said she would might actually use to describe him as conventions. I described him as a whirly gig of chaos, just <laughs> coming into a room and disrupting everything. And that was my kind of take on, on what to do with the Doctor, of it just not really kind of respecting the situation or anything around him. Uh, yeah, it was a bit... But I noticed your your version of the Doctor was much closer to the one in Seeds of Doom. He's much more of a man of action who sort of 
right. uses his fist. He's got that sort of the, tom- the, the Doctor in Pyramids of Mars and Horfangok where he's having a really bad day for some reason. Yes. And he's just absolutely belittling everyone around him. But that, I think that's interesting in th- because we all know the show so well and we were pitching this at different eras. Mm. I mean, you went for Robert Banks Stewart very much in that season 12. Your Valley of Death mm-hmm. is very much a Graham Williams story, isn't it? It has that more, yeah, it's sort of the lighter tone. It starts off being a sort of Robert Holmes pastiche because the, the first half is in 1977. So it's 1977, Doctor Who. And then the second half is 1979. And so it becomes slightly more Douglas Adams-y mm. uh, in the sense that it's... Got that sort of slightly larger than life cartoony element to it, but yeah. it's also got that sort of undercurrent of this is the villain is ridiculous and they absolutely mean it, and that's the scary thing. Mm. Mm. Shall we have the clip? What of? Let's have a clip from <laughs> Doctor Who. You mean? Yeah, yeah. Let's have a clip from Foe from the Future. It's Saturday night tea time in 1977, all over again. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. I've been to the year 4000, and it wasn't like this. Stand and deliver. The foe from the future. You appeared out of thin air. Did we? Are you sure? My apologies, Doctor. Leela. He speaks through the air, like Zoanna. Yes. Roundhead spy! And you are a priest holding an upside-down crucifix in my face. I can only assume this is an exercise in exorcism. Would I be right? Uh, Great, Zoanna! You would wish me to know fear before I die. Someone tried to kill me within a minute of my arrival, and that's quick, even by my standards. That was... Foe from the future. Not all of it, obviously. Just a clip. No, it is because it is long. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it does go on. But how it? nice to have a sort of six-part story it, again. It felt it felt really good fun to write, actually, because yeah. it gave you so much space. There's a degree to which I always find, uh, when I've been writing four-parts, there's a... I kind of will find I'm nearing the word count a bit sooner in my synopsis than I expect and kind of slightly panic and then yes. after um, uh, I think everyone does but there's something nice with the six part you go oh, I can just save that for the next episode <laughs> I can just save that bit and, and, and let it breathe and expand it a bit and just well it's very of... nice because it kind of builds and gets going and then it doesn't stop once it gets going yeah, yeah. it really thunders along doesn't it and has a big climax hopefully so yes I haven't heard it yet so kind of um, I, 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 that's that was the intended effect yeah, yeah. that it just kind of just gets bigger and bigger. I mean, hopefully, theoretically, I, I, I've said to people that I wanted the end of episode five to be one of the biggest cliffhangers in Doctor Who history. Yeah. So it's a little bigger than even the, in the original synopsis, which was still quite an impressively big cliffhanger. Yeah. It's just trying to get it massive in scale. And because I think you need. It, Can it, I just apologise? There seems to be a major police operation going on during this podcast. Yeah. Carry on. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it, I, I think if you're doing six episodes, you can fill six episodes worth of material if you want. They did that all the time mm. in the uh, in, 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 in the seventies, obviously. And I mean, I kind of have a have a, have a joke that I've stopped, when I was watching. It's not really a joke, but when I was watching Talents of Wang Chang, I quite like the fact that the only reason it's six episodes is because Magnus Greel forgets his bag. <laughs> <laughs> and you know that it would be eight, that if they needed it to be eight episodes, there'd be a moment towards the end of episode six where Greel goes, Ah, I have conquered the entire world. And, oh, sorry, I've just left the gas on. Sorry, <laughs> just nip back and do something. You can fill in the time if you want. Um, but you can't. Theoretically, I think Magnus Greel Oh, you thought I was about to meet my boss. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly that sort of thing. There's the degree to which you th- where, where I just wanted it to be a story that had the scale. The yeah. story itself needed six episodes and you couldn't tell it in any less well, it's than It's got a lot episodes. of villains in it as well, it's, hasn't it? Yeah, it's got, I'd say... Everybody's sort of competing to yeah, be a villain. Yeah, probably about four villains, yeah. I'd say. There's, there's, 
And oddly, Jalnik, who's in story terms, is in, in typical Doctor Who plot structure, is the main villain, mm. isn't the one I think in story terms, narrative terms, is the main villain. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. all sorts of differing sort of levels going on with it. But it's, yeah. yeah, it's, it's, and so loads it's of like more than Shara's Jack, where you're going, which one is the real villain? It's Yes, actually, yeah, 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 where, you can, where, where there are different, yeah, different things going on. It was, it was during the making of Foe from the Future that I really sat in the control room and it just suddenly sat there and thought, wow, I'm making my favourite thing from when I was 14 years old. It really was yes. incredibly yeah. powerful feeling. Well, yeah, I mean, both of you presumably went, oh, I know you did, you went to the studio, didn't you? Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. Mm. So what was that like? It was exciting. I mean, uh, th there was a degree to which it was terrifying because um, most of the days when I'd been in before that, I hadn't been, I'd, I'd been in uh, as an actor and occasional chauffeur. Um, <laughs> and uh, general factotum exactly yes. and b because I wasn't in the production side uh, apart from script editing I didn't sit in the booth so I didn't know what it was entirely like apart from my occasional scenes that I'd done I'd done sort of about three stories uh, worth of worth of mine level acting and so I, w I had all those fears about y about all the it being referred to as can I can I say whip it you can bleep it out if you want to. Um, and, and literal translation for the Albanian. But part of you wants that, and part of you is slightly yes. terrified yeah. again. And it was, but it was just exciting really because 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 he's a very very good actor. Uh, I mean Louise is as, as well, but we know that already. Hmm. Um, and. And you're never quite sure what you're going to get, or what sort of take you're going to get, and all these ways that you'd sort of been half writing a past station and then seeing him deliver it and taking it a different way. And there's a, there's a particular sequence I remember in, in Jalxar where I remember thinking, is, is this is this is this a hostage to fortune? Am I writing something that's too silly that he's going to kind of go go mad with? And played it dead straight. Mm. He absolutely played it, and, and, he, and he thought that's fantastic. That's kind of exactly the way I wanted it to be. And um, yeah, you kind of get that feeling. Of, and there's he brings moments of inspiration that you wouldn't have necessarily expected to fairly ordinary line. He yes, tries, he tries to find something in every line, mm. I think. You see, that's when we were talking earlier about, you know, the kind of Tom Baker stuff you were trying to emulate. Mm. You know, it made me think of when I was writing it, because I went back and watched a few Tom Baker stories, and of course I've been watching them over the years anyway. Um, but the thing that really struck me, I think I've said before, is that actually they didn't really write for him that much. It, actually, the dialogue is quite functional. So I found that I, my dialogue was far more functional for Tom. I wasn't injecting mm. it with Tom Baker's doctor kind of stuff. And, uh, and I suppose I, I hoped that uh, he, would, he would bring something, mm. that he'd find that familiar. And I think he did, mostly. You know, uh, there were only a couple of times, because there's the big thing that, that his doctor does, which is say uh, um, a very, very long sentence with lots of clauses in it, and it goes out very fast, and then he sort of um, uh, contradicts it or negates it or yeah, throws yeah. it away at the end, or we could just not do that or something, yeah, yeah. you know, not that, but a better line yeah. than that. Uh, and, you know, there were only a couple of occasions where he didn't seem to understand what I was getting at, but mostly he just did it even without thinking. Mm. And the big revelation for me was, it's probably um, a very unfair thing to say, but because you know he's a bit older, you'd be a bit worried that all the sort of shouting and running around type stuff, you'd think, oh God, that might be, he might shy away from that. But that's when, for me, when we were doing Energy of the Daleks, when his performance really landed, when he, you know, when he did those moments mm -hmm. and he just threw himself into them and, you know, and was unstoppable. Uh, and wanted, even when there were little uh, mistakes, you know, he would just want the take to keep going and for him to just go straight at it again. I remember mm. him saying, and I'm going again, you know, mm. and just straight in, you mm. know. 
was uh, yeah brilliant <laughs> yeah i would say as well the other thing that i kind of thought from doing a rewatch because i i fairly deliberately watched loads of stories from about the first five years i kind of threw from robot through to end of key to time i kind of did a bit sort of higgledy piggledy back and forth i watched all the six parters i watched and things like that and um in a fairly random order and but the thing i really noticed when watching it and which is is relevant at the moment is is how good louise is in them as well mm. um because i I'd, i i noticed very much when i was watching uh, watching it that uh i felt that elizabeth sladen uh, as sarah sarah is brilliant but it's mainly Elizabeth yes, doing it. She, yes, she totally. brings so much to a character that is fairly flat on the page. She all of the inspiration and excitement is from her. And Louise is kind of a, is a brilliant actress in a brilliant part. That I mean, yes. not, isn't necessarily always given the best material in the program on the on the TV. But y- you immediately going, this character has so much potential, and she's such a good actress, and you can give her so much as well. So I'm quite pleased that we managed to do that quite a bit throughout mm. the series as well. I think Wrath of the Icena, you really challenge that, don't you? You're yes. Really, yeah. It's, I think it's the first time ever we've had the Doctor and Leela completely. Opposite yes, no, absolutely. And just, I think it, it had yeah. to happen given the nature of the two characters. You know, what mm-hmm. I, mean? yeah. I think it's good to do that. Uh, you know, as as a teenager, I, I must say this to Louise so that she can slap me around the face. But as a teenager, uh, Leela was a kind of imposter for me. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because I'd loved Sarah Jane, and you get attached to characters when you're mm-hmm. that young. And uh, and so it's it, uh, Leela never really got me when I was watching it originally, and. You know, I've had this revelation because, you know, I've, I've known Louise for a few years anyway and known she's a brilliant actress, but just, and writing it, the dynamic of the Doctor and Leela is just so much more exciting, mm. the dynamic of uh, Doctor and Sarah in scripting terms, mm. you know. I mean, Liz was amazing and yeah, she yeah. would have, but you're absolutely right. Ev- almost everything that's good about Sarah Jane is uh, is Liz Sladen's invention, yeah. what she did. And Louise had had the the luxury uh, of a character that was fascinating and and different, and she did brilliant stuff with it. Leela is a sort of very strong character who sort of, if you in the story you need her to go off and do something, she will absolutely do it. She's not waiting for the doctor's permission and stuff. And you just have all those lovely sort of scenes where she's being harassed by a villain, and she's going, "I will slit you from the throat <laughs> yes. in this life or the next." Yeah, the ghosts of my ancestors will. Do things to the graves of your ancestors and all that sort of defiant stuff. Yeah. You just go, I could, love that. I couldn't wait to have her interrogated by the Daleks, you know, because yeah. I knew she wasn't going to uh, take that easily. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think another thing that's lovely about Leela is I think the writers have also found ways to do great comedy with her as well. Mm. And actually, perhaps we should play in the clip from Valley of Death where they're on the plane, where they board the plane. Okay, yes, yes. Oh, the which I love. Where she prefers it to the TARDIS, yes. yes. <laughs> so, what do you think of your first flight, Leela? It hurts my ears. That's the altitude. Have a humbug, it'll soon pass. It does not seem much like flying to be in the belly of a big metal bird that uses machinery to stay in the air. You know, Leela, sometimes you're very hard to please. But it is better than the TARDIS. It has windows you can see outside. What is this place? The Amazon rainforest, the largest expansive jungle on the planet Earth. Oh. Mm. Home to millions of species of animals and plants, an endless canopy. Hi. Uh, hope you don't mind me interrupting. No, not at all. Valerie Carlton. Photojournalist. I'm covering the expedition for World Magazine. Oh, that was funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the 
got anything else to say? Well, we haven't <laughs> even mentioned Destination Nerva, have we? So. Oh, goodness me, no. What do you want to say about it? Well, yeah, I mean, Destination Nerva, um, it was one of the last ones to be planned in the first series, wasn't it? it I mean, was. We'd always known we wanted to do a Nerva story. Yes. Because I... I screamed I wanted a nervous story. <laughs> it's just one of those things that sort of, you can't justify intellectually why, no. why to do a nervous story. It just somehow seemed right. Mm. You know, it was... Well, it's, it's cheap because you get to reuse the set. <laughs> <laughs> I just went to the store, dragged them out. You know. We just painted the doors a different colour. Yeah. <laughs> but all the buttons made the same noises. <laughs> and actually, they do. They do. I know they do. <laughs> it's got all the same sound effects. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, yes, what to say about it? I don't know what to say about it. It was such a thrill to write it. Well, as I said, that's the one where, um, even though I script edited, I wasn't. that was the one, I think, where I couldn't make the recording. Actually, no, I couldn't make um, the recording of Phantoms either. But, um, so, I so you say, I couldn't make it work. Yeah. No, but it, it, it's one where I kind of feel I know less about it than, than it, oddly, given that I've, I've met or worked with pretty much all the cast, I think, at, at different points. Um, and so, so that's one I'm quite. So I was listening to the the, the podcast of it on, on New Year's Day and just absolutely adoring it. I just I, I, from the very first sound effect, it sounds iconically Dudley Simpson. So it's oh, yeah, um, that first crash of music as yeah. they come through the door. Yeah. Oh, Jamie's done some amazing stuff. It's there. yeah, it was. It was really I wanted good to make it quite a simple story, you mm. know, uh, so that we just have. Although, having said that, it's not absolutely crammed with uh, Tom and Lou the whole time. You know, the mm. other characters get to breathe, and that's something that David encouraged me mm. with, especially uh, the, the, the medical doctor character on Nerva. David, you suggested a, an emotion, more of an emotional background for her, which was a brilliant idea. That's and it just, R- Raquel Cassidy. Yes, that's yes, right. Yeah. And it just, just adds a, something nice, to an emotional mm. content to it that isn't true to how it would have been done in those days but it just it just gives it it lifts it a little bit i think i think that yeah you, it's, it's the circle you've got to square isn't it trying to kind of combine something that has the nostalgia aspect but with also with a modern scripting and, and yes. dramatic sensibility so it, it, i mean you say that but i was saying to you you know there's stories like pyramids of mars where you've got the marcus and lawrence mm, scott yes, no, yes. emotional bond they, they did do that back in those days you yes no noah and vira their relationship in ark in space it wasn't yeah the true they true. didn't shy away from it no that's true there there is yeah there's a precedent for it isn't there yeah. yes yeah it was um hmm. um something I say about the finished product that it's actually more horrifying than I'd intended it hmm. to be because of the performances really yeah. particularly of Kim Wall yeah. oh. who, who plays a, an astronaut in it who something wait well, he's not an astronaut he's in a spacesuit when it happens and something ghastly happens to him and you know as written it was a, I wouldn't say a, a, a cod Doctor Who scene but it was you know uh, melodramatic and and someone in trouble and la 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 and he but he did it with such fear and confusion in his voice that it's hmm. it's very upsetting to listen to. He's, he's such a good actor, Kim. Uh, yeah, kind of yeah, it's, it's, it's ghastly, actually. Yeah. You suddenly think you're watching the thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's what you want from Doctor. You want it to be is not grisly, but you want it to be sort of chills on the back of the neck well, and yeah. stuff. I was, I was quite pleased that there was one bit where I, I, with one particular scene in Faith and Future which I've described to loads of people as the most uh, gruesome, no, grotesque 
grotesque is the word. The most grotesque thing I've ever written in my life is just this one particular scene in episode five, where, which um, I'm very much looking forward to actually hearing how it turns out. It was good. It was listening to it on the day, in, even in the booth, you're going, this is quite unpleasant. <laughs> but it, I think what's interesting about this month is we have three stories which are all very different, don't we? We've mm-hmm. got Foe from the Future, which is very much a very dark Philip Hinchcliffe story. We've got Valley of Death, which is a lighter, more Graham Williams' story. And then we've got Destination Nerva, which is kind of mid-point and then goes in a bit of a new direction as well. It's yes, it does. I mean, uh, I, the, particularly something Jamie Robertson, who did the music, uh, he's pointed up something at the end of the episode, which which I hadn't considered quite so much when I wrote it, where he makes it very, very upbeat with the music. Mm. And the performances do it as well, where you really think, you know, we are on the beginning of a big journey here, mm. which I'm so pleased with the way yeah, that turned out. And also, I just wanted to put in what I felt was very, it felt like the right flavour for the Tom Baker era. You know, I want a high-tech setting, but also a sort of gothic-y, dark and gloomy thing. So in the first 10 minutes, they go to a dark and stormy place with creaking floorboards and things leaping out of the mm. dark and then they end up on a bright shiny spaceship as well you know mm. so I just wanted to get those ingredients in and I did have it in my mind that maybe the first 10 minutes of the story should be something that we could separate out as a mm. podcast to, mm. to tease people and that's worked out quite nicely actually. And I think also what's been so lovely I know our intention all along was to just try and make them sound very much of the day and recapture the characters and the flavour and everything and yes I, th- I think we've done it you know there's Tom and Louise sound pitch perfect don't they yes I mean and Louise was very careful wasn't she with the first lines yeah. in Destination Nerva yeah. to, she, we played her the clip of them saying those lines at the end of Talons of Wang Chiang and she she put there's a train going past sorry folks um, and she pitched her voice so it was exactly the same note as you know and she didn't speak with it as it was at the end of Towns of Wayne Chiang and she didn't speak with a lower note until about three or four sentences later when she found a reason to, so, to for the, her voice to go lower uh, so that that's it maintains that authenticity God, really. she's professional yeah. there, there's that part of me going I wouldn't, I wouldn't have bothered doing anything with <laughs> the slightest like <laughs> she's smart <laughs> she's, she's, yeah. 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 I must apologise for my sniffing I, I have a cold <laughs> Oh, and thank you for, yeah, thanks for oh, the Perhaps I'll edit that so that you sounded sympathetic more quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, did you know that, you know, the um, uh, podcast of the first 10 minutes of Destination Nerva, the biggest comments I read about it was saying, Do you think Nick's all right? Because I know, he yeah. sounds, his voice sounds a bit funny. It's only because I was leaning into the microphone hmm. yeah. talking like this and okay I think he's got the flu I think that's this me trying to be intimate it sounds like I've got the flu my wife's never said flu. that when I try to be intimate with my wife she doesn't say if you got the flu <laughs> it sounds like a deathbed way confession. too much information for me to be a honest deathbed confession <laughs> I'm sorry to say this is destination nerve <laughs> that would be something you know much as I love the, the, the preview that would be quite a waste of your final moments on earth <laughs> if you kind of like slowly die and go but I must announce podcasts <laughs> well do you know that's where we differ John <laughs> because I think that would be a fine use of my final moments <laughs> doing these uh, Tom Baker ones has been akin to getting the job as the voice of the Daleks actually you know mm. I, I uh, frivolously but sort of half seriously said um, 
when I got most of the diarist job, I can't say it, um, that job, you know, I, I actually said, well, you might as well kill me now because life isn't going to get any better, you know. And I do, I feel a little bit like that about don't, the don't Tom Baker stuff. Don't say that publicly yeah. on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, this year I've had Tom Baker's Doctor Who and Blake Seven, my two favourite things from oh. when I was 14. That's nice, isn't it? It is. That's nice. If I can just do Tenko now, it'll all be relevant. <laughs> Tenko audio would be fantastic. Wouldn't yeah. they? Yeah. Or just like a sort of companion chronicle with General Yamauchi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I oh those women in the camber playing up again. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was, that's my Lan- Welsh accent. I was going to say, it sounds like it's from Lancashire, <laughs> that, that Japanese soldier. Um, Oh yeah, or we could do Colditz as well on the same thing. Oh, secret army. Oh, yeah. I, I could be. I want to be that character who says, "No, I've just had a word with the commandant, and he's not very happy about all the escaping that's been going on." <laughs> and, you know, all, there was, as a teenager, there seemed to be so little peril in Colditz. It was all very comfy. I've only ever seen one episode of it. It was like a sort of quite nice play at school, really, wasn't it? Yes, yes. Are we, are we going off? off <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyway, well, it is 1977. Yes, all over again. All over again. It wouldn't be a podcast since we haven't got Paul Sprague here to annoy us. We've got to annoy ourselves. Have we had a clip from Destination Nerve yet? No. No. What, what clip would you like? I can't, we can't play the Kim Wall bit, can we? No. 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 Okay. no. Um, let's, let's, let's play something from the first 10 minutes. <laughs> Hold on. That's already been on. Let's pay something from between the 10th minute and the 11th minute. <coughs> I'll find something. The Here it is. The next minute. Certainly not. Ah, uh, yes. The ceilings are too low. Good point. That ship's warp distortion must have thrown us off course. Then we are lost. Uh, in a manner of speaking, yes. We just need to give the old girl time to recalibrate. So, why have we landed here? Well, if we can find out where here is, I might be able to calculate our relative position by cross-referencing our current coordinates with where we were. That does not make sense. Yes. That's often the mark of a good theory, I find. I do not believe you believe that, Doctor. Uh, this is your captain speaking. Next stop, Nova, ladies and gentlemen. Next stop, Nova. Nova? Nova. You know this place? Well, I Nova. Nova. <laughs> Come on, spacesuits. What about them? Over there, we need a disguise. Let's put them on. Well, that'll be interesting. Mm. <laughs> I mean, ah, ah. So before you know it, actually, we'll be at the Aseidon adventure. With it. We're going to whiz through all these yeah. now. Yeah, mm. like a dose of salts. Yes. Now, just to mention, of course, on the 11th of February, there's a convention called uh, Big Finish Day 2, mm-hmm. Saturday the 11th of February, and it's at Abbey School in Barking. And you can find out about it at 10th Planet. Mm. .co.uk or something like that. Tenseplanet.com, I believe. .com. Yeah. Anyway, so it's there. come along and you can, you know, bring your CDs or buy them there if you like and get uh, Tom and Louise 
to sign them. I, I, could, I could even sign one if you like, but you know, to, I won't force well, that. I don't on sign you. anything. <laughs> <laughs> You're both there, aren't you? Yes, yes, yes. 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 I, no, I notice on the website that, that, that there's this long list of autographs with a purchase, autographs with a purchase, autographs with a purchase, and then we get to me, no, we'll sign anything. <laughs> <laughs> Dorney, does it, Dorney does it for jam. That's what it is. We mostly do sign anything. Throughout the About these strict rules. Yes, so that, that'll be happening in February. I just wanted to remind you if you haven't booked your ticket yet. I think it's actually going to be an amazing day. Mm. Just the sheer weight of guests there. Mm. Yeah. What's amazing about it for me is that between now and then, I will have had to have written about three scripts and also done a play in um, <laughs> theatre in Chesterfield. I'll just be back from it. Oh, and I will have directed another Tom Baker story as well. You will have. Which I haven't quite finished the script yeah. of. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, bye. I better go and do some work. Is it time to go? Yes. Probably is, yes. Well, thank you all for listening. And it's goodbye from Johnny Morris. Goodbye. It was fun. <laughs> John Dorney. Goodbye. Again, it's University Challenge. It's just, just yeah, David Richardson. Bye. And me. And just a reminder that next week's podcast is all about the new Colin Baker season. Oh, oh, oh. Sounds good. Yeah, they, they, they are, I've heard they're terrific. Hmm. You wrote one. Goodbye. <laughs>